Welcome to Better Words, a podcast for readers who want to know the stories behind the pages. We're your hosts, Caitlin and Michelle, two book nerds who bring you in-depth conversations about writing and publishing from those on the inside. Basically, we're just here to talk about books. We're so glad you're joining us. This interview with Jenna Guillaume originally aired in March 2019 and we were celebrating the publication of Jenna's young adult novel, What I Like About Me. We had so much fun chatting to Jenna about writing, rom-coms and body positivity. Fast forward to August 2020, I still haven't watched Dirty Dancing and Jenna's second young adult novel, You Were Made For Me, has just been published. We can't wait to read it and maybe I'll watch Dirty Dancing soon. I think you should. (laughs) I think I probably should too. Enjoy the interview. (laughs) This week, we're delighted to welcome someone who knows popular culture inside out. She's spent years working at Girlfriend magazine, including the infamous Sealed section, which we all snuck a look at, (laughs) and was one of the founding team for BuzzFeed Australia. Her debut novel, What I Like About Me, is in stores now. Welcome, Jenna Guillaume. Hi, guys. Hi. Welcome to Better Words. We're so excited to have you. Thank you. Happy to be here. We loved this book. Loved it so much. (laughs) We both read it in like a day and a half. Yeah. That, I yeah. Think. Oh, thank you. That's so I lovely. I read most of it in the bath, like just let my bath go cold, and I was like a shriveled little prune because I was like, I have to know what happened. <laughs> oh, that's great. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's start with Maisie then. Um, she's such a wonderful and honest character, and I'm sure so many readers have already told you how much they love her. With many more to come. So why did you want to tell her story? I basically wanted to tell her story because. I just, I wanted to have a story where a plus size protagonist goes on a journey towards loving herself and becomes happy without having to lose weight and without having to change anything about herself except perhaps the way she views herself. And yeah, and as I started writing, I guess I really wanted a bit of romance in there as well because I wanted to show that she was still very desirable and um, attractive even, you know, without having to change anything about herself. So, yeah, that's why she became the protagonist. Oh, I love that so much. And, like, it's exactly the reason so many people have fallen in love with Willow Dean and Dumpling is, you know, she's just so relatable and, you know, I hate that word, but I think so many of us struggle with our body image and accepting ourselves. Yeah. And, and it's, I, yeah, it's I why characters, you know, like Willow Dean and Maisie are so wonderful and so popular yeah it's interesting that you mentioned Dublin actually because um I was actually in the middle of writing what I like about me when I actually heard about Dumpling and I did have a bit of a panic at the time because it's obviously got a similar premise of a plus-size protagonist who enters a beauty pageant and I was worried you know I was not that I don't want more of those stories out in the world but I was worried that it would affect uh the ability to get my story published because I was worried that people might think that I was um kind of just copying that or that kind of thing but uh, I realized I, I had a friend actually read Dumplin because I was like I'm not going to read it because I don't want to be influenced yeah and I had yeah. A, yeah yeah I had a friend read it and she read what I like about me and she's like no don't worry they're totally different so um you know there's there's I the more plus size protagonists the better in my opinion <laughs> absolutely well exactly it's not yeah. just one story it's everyone 
you've been part of the book blogging community as well. It's hard when you say, if you like this book, then you'll like that book. Um, but it is a good comparison to let people know if they did like Dumpling, oh, they definitely. are going to love Maisie and what I yeah. like about me. It's And, you know, especially yeah. for Aussies, like if they've oh, seen... It's so good. Well, it's, yeah, I mean, obviously, because this one's Aussie. But, mm. like, if they've seen Dumplin' now that's been made into a movie or anything, it's like that. And on Netflix, it's a whole other element of accessibility. And this is, like, yeah. this is our story. Like, the, the humour and everything. I mean, this is why all three of us love Aussie YA. Because, yeah, because it's, it's so us. Yeah. I definitely would bill it as for fans of Dumplin'. So if you do like Dumplin', check out What I Like About Me. <laughs> and hopefully down the track we get a Netflix adaptation of What I Like About Me as well. Yeah. yeah. Oh, look, that's that the dream. Out. Let's yeah, let's put that out, out there. <laughs> Call me Netflix. Yeah. Um, Can I cameo? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I love that about Dumplin' that Julie Murphy is like in the last I love few when, scenes. I and, love when they do oh, that with so clever anyway yeah, um, with, um, Jenny Hahn was in to all the boys I've loved before as well which was cute yeah. I know yeah. even even like throwback when like Stephanie Meyer was like in Twilight like I just <laughs> love when they do that like yeah it's a nice easter egg for fans of the books so obviously like you said body image being a plus size protagonist is a really important part of Maisie's story how has your relationship with your body um like influenced your life over the years and I guess changed as you've growing yeah and influenced writing this story yeah it's definitely I mean it's been a journey for me I I think I'm still a work in progress and you know there everyone has good days and bad days it's like I I say in the book you know that hopefully I just have more good days than bad days Mm. um I think I'm definitely like for me I'm definitely in a better place than I was like a few years ago in terms of how I feel about my own body and I think actually writing the book definitely helped that which is interesting I I channeled a lot of my own insecurities or my own feelings about the way the world treats fat people um, into what I like about me. But I also, it was, so it was quite cathartic. And I, but I also, I think by giving Maisie like quite a positive story and um, like a lot of reasons to like herself, it made me reconsider um, how I felt about myself and think, well, if you're going to give this to a character, why aren't you giving it to yourself? So I definitely, um, through the writing process and since then have gone through like just I guess more of a mental journey of trying to reconsider the way I the ways I speak to myself and, and when I look in the mirror what am I looking at the that, the things I don't like or trying to look for the things I do like so it's actually you know and and, and even when I, I got author photos taken and I remember I, as soon as I saw them, I was like, oh, no, I, you know, I don't really like them. And I was talking to my agent, Danielle Binks, and she was like, well, you know, what would Maisie say? Oh, <laughs> um, yes. I love so, it. And I was like, it's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think I, I like, I, I owe it to Maisie to, uh, to try and like myself. Um, but also to my, I owe it to myself. I love mm. that. It's kind of like, I mean, it's one of those common sort of like inspirational quote sort of things that you see on Instagram that's like, you know, why do we, you know, tear ourselves down but, like, build our best friends up and things mm-hmm. like that. It's like treat yourself, the, you know, the way you would, you know, your best friend or whatever. And, like, like you said about, you know, if you can give, you can give Maisie that confidence, like, why shouldn't you have it? Absolutely, exactly. Sometimes I think we could all do with, like, the Queer Eye guys just coming in and 
making yeah. our lives and just like Jonathan in the background like, Being like just yes, walking honey. behind us. Like, I know, yeah. that's just what I need. <laughs> my own Jonathan. That would be perfect. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. the thing I love about the Queer Eye guys is that they look at the individual and they draw out what's strong about that individual, that it's not just like a blanket kind of advice or statement. Yeah. They're really yeah. like, I think that's why people have responded so well to the show. It's it's really interesting for me to read this book and, and everyone will have their own opinions, but I have had so many body issues myself and I think this was the book that I needed to read as a fat teenager and I was in such a bad place, but I thought that by losing weight I'd be happier, I'd be this, I'd be that and obviously now I, I can see that that wasn't right but like I did lose weight and I was kind of like oh why do I still feel like shit so I think it's really really great that you know teenagers now have movies like Dumplin and books like Dumplin and what I like about me to kind of look forward to but how important do you think that dialogue is around body image in the media? I think it's really important it's interesting because I started my career at Girlfriend magazine and that was 10 years ago um who's showing my age um <laughs> and um you know body image was a massive thing for us at the time we, we wrote about it all the time and we had a uh self-respect campaign that was all about we didn't call it body positivity at the time but it essentially was yeah it's I think it's, it's interesting to see that conversation is still going and it's still evolving I think I am more hopeful there's a lot more spaces online especially now for people to find each other and connect around these body positive communities which definitely didn't exist 10 years ago on the on the flip side there, there is a lot of um you know more negative influences I would say with Instagram and like fitspo and all of that so it's kind of a double-edged sword um but yeah I think it's important to always call out those kind of damaging portrayals that we see in the media Jamila Jamila is one celebrity that does it really well I think she's got that whole I weigh campaign and she's always calling out other celebrities the Kardashians and everything for like the damaging body image that they reinforce yeah exactly so um yeah I think the more people talk about it the better I mean you've done that yourself in your work at BuzzFeed I remember especially your takedown I guess takedown maybe not the right word but your review of Insatiable oh don't even get me started on Insatiable I was so mad at that show (laughs) oh my god I know I remember both of us Michelle and I were talking about it and we both read your piece and we were both like (gasps) and just (laughs) never watched it yeah I was like I'm not gonna watch this crap yeah (laughs) Because so, it was interesting, and I said this in the review, um, basically I I got like a press release essentially about it, and I'm very much like I don't like to know too much before I watch things, so I just kind of skim read it, and I saw mm-hmm. like beauty pageant and um, like fat, I think, and like just a few keywords, and I was like, oh my goodness, this is like um, sounds like Dumplin' it sound, and also sounds like what I like about me. So I was really interested. I was like, oh, I thought it was going to be this really body positive story so I turned it on and as soon as I started watching it here comes Debbie Ryan in a fat suit and I was like oh no this is not what I thought it was going to be and it just got worse from there so yeah it was really disheartening and like I would not have watched the whole thing if I wasn't writing about it unfortunately writing about it meant I had to watch the whole thing so I could equivocally say no it's bad from start to end like I was waiting for that aha moment that redeeming moment that that was going to justify all the the fat phobia and all the horrible offensive things that had come before but no that never came you know I think Netflix 
is trying to build themselves as this place that's like slightly more diverse um with more telling um, all these different stories yeah a bit more inclusive than most broadcast companies but it was just a slap in the face really I know it's um it's interesting what you said about having to sit through it so that you could say no I have watched it um that's exactly what I used to tell people about the first 50 shades movie is that whenever I'd be like (laughs) it's so terrible it's you know the dialogue's awful all the stuff people would be like but have you seen it and I'd be like Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I actually watched I watched it for the first time last year. I when the third movie oh, yeah. came out, I watched all three in in one day within about twelve yeah. hours. And I wrote about it as well. And that was quite yeah, a journey. I, imagine, I haven't seen the other two. I imagine it is a journey. And but like I have to oh my god, I went and saw it in the cinema with a couple of my friends. I have no idea why we decided to go see it. <laughs> but like, <laughs> I, like we were the only ones laughing like he was like saying things people were and taking like, things seriously because he's like sp- supposed to be so serious or like supposed to say something that was like supposed to be really sexy or something and I just burst out laughing because it was, sounded so ridiculous <laughs> yeah they are quite entertaining yeah. I think maybe unintentionally yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe in a different way than that what they're aiming for yeah. um yeah but back to your wonderful book um so the book is set over a hot beach summer Christmas in Australia so the best summer ever type trope of like you know even in tv shows and movies and stuff where it's like oh they come back from summer and they're so hot or like (laughs) or the ones about summer where it's like oh I fell in love over some you know all of those transformative tropes um what I like about me both conforms to that and defies it so I guess maybe why did you decide to write it over summer and over Christmas well I guess because I consume so much uh teen media mm-hmm. and you know I love YA books I love teen movies I love teen tv shows and also rom-coms as well yeah, yeah. yeah um you know summer looms large in those genres and it's it, as you say this transformative experience but I found by and large, they were all American stories. And, you know, they, there was, yeah, like summer camp, summer jobs, all these kind of things that, like, are just very American. It's the middle of the year. Um, and it's just such a different experience to the Australian summer. And I felt that I, – I, and I could have just missed missed what's out there, but, um, you know, I do read a lot of Aussie YA. So I, I, I felt like there hadn't really been much – that was set over the Australian summer and had those very specific touchstones of not only is it summer, not only are you on break from school, but you've also got Christmas and New Year's and you've got, you know, one year's ending and a a new one's beginning and you've got all the bittersweet, you know, hopes and dreams that go along with that. So it feels like it's even more potent to me than it is in the American instances. So I thought that was really ripe for, yeah, telling a good, story about about the transformative experience but also a really good romance yeah it is a really cute romance it is very cute but yeah I never thought about it that way that our summers you know with all the new year stuff and like even Christmas and seeing your family and all of that like that's not as common in all the American summer thing if anything they never see their families and they're hanging out with their friends all summer and you know in another town or whatever um yeah, I never thought about it that way. But yeah, I also can't think of too many other books or movies or anything like that set in an Australian summer in this in this way. In that context. Yeah, yeah. in this context. Yeah. yeah, that was definitely my original intention of writing it. The very first, the germ of the idea was um, taking that 
classic teen summer story and making it Australian. We need to we need to talk about the fact that I've never seen Dirty Dancing. I know. I only found out this today, Jenna. I'm so disappointed. What? I know. Michelle. I'm, I'm so, I know. It's so bad. so disappointed. I can't believe That's that okay. I'm in setting all you homework. This has never come. Out. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. I'm did they, have did to watch it now? Yeah. Did what I like about me make you want to read it? Yes. Yeah. I mean, what? Yeah. It did. It did. But I just haven't got around to it. And instead, I watched 10 Things I Hate About You again, which I mean. Okay. Well, look, I'll allow that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, how perfect is that scene where he sings? Oh, I know. I love you. Honestly, one of the best moments. I know. It was only like watching it again now because like we watched it in high school I've watched it a couple of times since I really love it you know it's funny ha 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 but then like the bits that got me this time is when like the teacher is being like oh yeah you like white girls can talk about feminism but like unless you're going to talk about slavery and so I was like oh my god like this film was so ahead of its time yeah I just that had all passed me by at first like I think I probably yeah. It's quite a progressive movie. It's very feminist and forward thinking. Yeah, and like, so it came out in was it nineteen ninety? I just ninety nine. Yeah, I just can't. Yeah. Still, I just yeah. I was like, wow, this is what we're talking about. This stuff now, like, it's amazing. (laughs) See, I honestly think it's the best teen movie of all time. Yeah, so good. It's amazing. I really want to rewatch it now. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I want to ask you though, Jenna, what's your favorite um, scene or moment in Dirty Dancing? Oh, good question. I think it's it's definitely the bit where Johnny and Baby are in the dance studio and they're just like, I think they've just started hooking up and they're flirting and dancing and they're um, lip syncing to that um, Sylvia song. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a um, and they're, yeah, they're being really cute. There's that all. I mean, obviously, all there's a scene where she goes to him in his room and they start dirty dancing and start taking their clothes off. It's pretty hot. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely love both those scenes. I think one of my favourite lines in the whole movie, though, is when she's, like, just hanging around and, like, trying to get up to, to see all the staff and, like, get to the party and just, like, doing whatever. And then she just gets there and he's, like, looks at her and she's, like, I carried a watermelon. <laughs> <laughs> Iconic. Yeah. I, mean, I know that. I love that. Every time I see a watermelon or I'll, like, you know, like, the amount of times I've been grocery shopping with my mother and she'll be, like, can you get some watermelon? And I bring it over and I'm, like, I carried a watermelon. And, like, <laughs> we mentioned before, obviously, you've been at BuzzFeed um, for a few years now. You're the, one of the founding editors, which is really, really cool. And in that role, you've been totally across pop culture You've written some really cool stuff, as well as filling our feeds with our favourite Chris's, Hemsworth, <laughs> Pratt, Pine, all those. Um, Evans. 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 Oh, of course. Yeah. But I guess there's a lot of criticism about that sort of journalism and writing um, as being, you know, frivolous or, you know, less important than other things. Or and easy. Or easy. Yeah. I'm interested to know, like, as someone who's writing that stuff, how you feel about that. Well, yeah, so I've, I've left BuzzFeed now and I'm freelancing, but I'm still covering, um, yeah, pop culture, movies and TV. It's it's hard because obviously I am full of self-doubt myself. So I have that voice sometimes that's like, oh, what you do is really frivolous. Like, why are you bothering? That kind of thing. But then I get messages from people that say I had a really bad day and that piece that you wrote really brightened it. Or, um, you know, I was doing this um, series of 
rewatch articles where I was rewatching um, teen movies from the nineties, and I, I was just basically I was like, great, I get to rewatch these movies I love and write about it and get paid for it, and kind of just did it did it for fun, not really thinking about anything beyond that. And uh, when I announced that I was leaving BuzzFeed, I was like, I, I got so many supportive, nice messages. But one that really stuck out was that this this woman said that she had been really depressed, and and when she read those articles, it kind of like it, it really helped her and improved her day because it just was something that made her smile even when she was feeling really down. And that really affected me because I thought, wow, okay, so what I write does matter and it does actually have an impact on people. It might not be out there, you know, saving lives or curing cancer or anything like that. But I think there's something to be said for injecting joy into the world and celebrating things that bring us joy, which is what I, you know, I write about things that I love, you know, pop culture, movies, rom-coms, Marvel movies, all those kind of things. And I think the world is so stressful and dark and terrifying so much of the time that I think it's important to focus on things that aren't dark and stressful and that, you know, it's it gives us something to get up in the morning for almost and and to, to celebrate. We can't, I just think it's, it's like untenable to be all doom and gloom sometimes. And you can care about multiple things. You can care about things that are happening in the world and also care about which Chris Hems what Chris Hemsworth is doing that day you know <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely I and I think agree. you've yeah. shown as well with you know insatiable um as an example that you can use entertainment to talk about bigger, bigger issues like the way that fat people are portrayed in the media and the way that fat phobia exists so I think you could definitely can can use that platform for so many things that yeah Yeah. and at the end of the day pop culture is art and it's not necessarily what we would call high art because the you know there's this elitism in art but it it, you know just because something's a commercial success or a blockbuster or whatever it doesn't make it any less of an art form necessarily I think Thor Ragnarok is is such a creative and innovative movie as well as Black Panther you know best Marvel movies they've made (laughs) yeah I think I think you can still have art within a commercial framework and art at its best reflects life and explores big issues and um you know it it tells us stories it's about ourselves and uh, it makes us think about ourselves but it also doesn't have to do that even if it's just entertaining you like that in itself the human desire to feel joy there's no shame in that. I don't Absolutely. Think. And it's yeah. it's so funny because, like, I think of high art and I'm like, oh, boring. I don't understand most of that <laughs> stuff. Give me pop culture any day. Like, exactly. yeah, <laughs> I find so yeah. much more meaning. And honestly, yeah, I mean, this is, a, this is a very broad generalization, but I do think there's an element of misogyny at play when people criticize a lot of pop culture because so much of it is, is seen as frivolous or, or silly because a lot of it is what women, by and large, consume. Mm. Um, and I think it, it just goes back to femininity and women's interests being derided and being like less valued. For instance, uh, this is again a very broad generalization, but you just got to look at the way sport and sports coverage is treated compared to entertainment coverage. Oh my God. And you know, yeah. What, yeah, it's like how is sport any less frivolous? It's a bunch of people running around after a yeah. ball, or a like. Bunch of- it's people why? sitting around talking about other people running around after a ball. Yeah, I yeah, don't exactly. Get it. But you know, <laughs> sports coverage, sports sports journalism is taken very seriously, and because it's a male-dominated industry on on every level, 
whereas um, entertainment is, you know, I mean, the entertainment industry is still male dominated, but it is more feminized, I suppose, than yeah. say the sports industry. And I think, I think there's a lot of misogyny mm, at play. It's even interesting, like what just popped into my head was like the side by side of like, yeah, men, mostly men usually sitting around talking about people running around after a ball or just running around, not even after anything. Then the comparison to people sitting around talking about what everyone is wearing, like on a red carpet or something like those two things seem the same to me really and at the basis they are the same because they're talking about what other people are doing but they're viewed so so differently and even you know fashion fashion is in itself mm. an art form and there's nothing frivolous or 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 silly about talking about a piece of yeah. art it's actually really interesting it's making me think michelle we've been discussing a little bit recently about like being basic and, oh yeah and, and guilty pleasures yeah and, and the yeah. idea of you know, yeah, guilty pleasures. I'm like, why should we feel guilty? They're so popular and, mm. you know, all these things. I had, this, I had this sort of, not argument, but like this thing with my colleague where she was talking about Married at First Sight and I was like, you told me that I was too smart to watch Love Island UK and you're watching Married at First Sight. Like, yeah, what's really? Like, what yeah. is the difference to take Love Island UK as an example? There was a lot of discussion around the character, character this person, Adam in the house and how he was quite emotionally abusive and mm-hmm. how he was very manipulative and he just moved on from girl to girl to girl and a lot of people talking about how that behavior wasn't appropriate so I think in the same way people dismiss reality tv as being really frivolous it probably can be a, a way to discuss bigger issues at definitely. play as well definitely it just reminded me of Jodie McAllister who is also an author but she's an ac- academic um and she she her specialty is love narratives and she watches the bachelor and and has done all these academic papers about the bachelor and what the what the, that show and those franchises tell us about how we view love especially culturally i know she's um done a lot on the american bachelor versus the australian bachelor and how they differ in the way that we talk about love i think it's That's fascinating so and i think so interesting yeah, wow. yeah. Wow. and you know what like I'm I'm so ready to be in the UK watching Love Island UK at the same time everybody else is and obsessing about it. I'm totally going because like I never got into The Bachelor, but I am so ready to be in Love Island. Like. And see, this is exactly the thing. It's like you know everyone likes different things. Yeah, no, <laughs> it is. It's funny, but it, we shouldn't feel shamed about that. But we no. do. We do yeah. a lot of time. Oh, just watching my guilty pleasure. Like no. Yeah, I don't think you should feel guilty about things that bring yeah. you pleasure. I'm a very firm believer in not shaming people for what they read or watch. That being said, I do shame my husband for watching Big Bang Theory because <laughs> I hate that show so I'm much. But yeah, idea. you know when something just rubs you the yeah. wrong way. Anyway, that that's totally off topic. But yeah, <laughs> no, it is funny. Like, no, you're allowed that because you're not genuinely shaming him either. I'm sure it's just like a no. little gentle bullying. We're actually already working on book two. How's that going? I am. It, it's going well, but I've written about eighteen thousand words of that so um yeah I'm really excited about it and I'm just hoping they like it if not I'm not sure what they'll do what I'll do but it's it's going good so far that's good can you give us um like a hint of any of like the themes or anything is body image in there again or is it something new it's something new it's a it's another standalone and it's a bit weird but it's really fun I hope and it's still in that rom-com kind of vein 
but yeah, it's it's more comedy, I suppose. Hopefully, <laughs> I love it. No, I thought <laughs> good already. Yeah, no, I thought what I liked about me was very funny and like hit all the right notes. Um, yeah. before we end on some a little bit more pop culture chat because we accidentally got sidetracked. Um, I did just want to say there was this wonderful bit that I like. I jotted down some notes and stuff, but where. I, th- I think it was where Maisie was talking about how tired she is of always hating on herself. And I just thought that whole scene was articulated so beautifully. And oh, I just hope people read this book and find something that they can learn from, I guess. Like, I don't want to be like, you should learn from this book. But hopefully there is something in there that people will connect with and gives them some strength to kind of look at their body with kinder eyes, I guess. Yeah, thank you. I definitely, I mean, first and foremost, I wanted to just write a really good story, but I definitely hope that if people read it and enjoy it, that they can take away from it, that they should be kinder to themselves and look for things they like about themselves instead of the things that they don't like about themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So let's end on some more pop culture chit chat yes because <laughs> we would love to know what you thought of harry potter and the cursed child because i read the script when it uh-huh. came out and i was not impressed <laughs> um i thought i was like this is just like my immortal you know that infamous um harry potter fanfic i was just gobsmacked that this was an actual thing and I remember everyone saying at the time, it's so much more amazing when you see it stage. And I was like, how? How can it be better? Like, how can it be that much better? But it is. Everyone was right. It is so much better because it's so magical. Um, you know, just the stagecraft and the literal magic that they are employing to, to, to tell this story is so wonderful. And the performances are really great as well. And a lot of the stuff that annoyed me on the page didn't didn't annoy me as much in the stage show. Oh, and also, yeah, because you like are watch it, like you're enjoying the, the the spectacle of it all. A lot of the plot holes aren't as glaring. Yeah. You kind of walk out and you're like, well, they're still there. But <laughs> um, yeah, I really do love yeah. it. Yeah, that is that is good to hear. Yes. and I think that that is a really. I think it's interesting that people keep saying that about, especially now that the show's been out for a lot longer and has traveled around and everything like that that there seems to be a bit less criticism around it or maybe yeah just, maybe we're maybe just I'm accepting it, it i don't know or, or everyone's just accepting it but maybe we all watch fantastic well, like, beasts think... too and we're just like well this is what oh, we well, get now yeah <laughs> i was gonna say i think fantastic beasts has eclipsed <laughs> cursed child for the the black sheep of the harry yeah, potter family because... actually what do you what's your take on like the Fantastic Beasts franchise and where that's going to kind of go now. I have not watched them. Yeah. I think for me, um, I I know a lot of people are really into the whole Wizarding World, but for me the appeal of Harry Potter was always those Mm. characters and their specific relationships with each other, the way they grow up together. Um, So Cursed Child is an extension of that and I would love a prequel about the Marauders. But yeah, so I I am really interested in that specific world in terms of the characters, but the wider world doesn't have as much appeal to me. So that's why I just, I didn't really get around to seeing the first Fantastic Beast when it came out and I intended to watch it, but then all the stuff with Johnny Depp and all of that happened. So I I just, I feel like like I'm okay with not watching it. I really have tried my hardest to view... Fantastic Beasts as 
a separate magical story because you're right it has nothing to do with the original characters except they then they tried to make it have something to do with the yeah, original characters it's... and that's tainted it a bit for me yeah I feel like I wish I'd just watched the first one because I enjoyed that I just wish I had left it at that that was a lovely little vignette like just leave it like and now I just feel really sad but anyway I'm glad Cursed Child was amazing thank you so much for joining us tonight and chatting about some frivolous stuff that's not really frivolous at all no <laughs> <laughs> uh, where can people find you online if they're not already following you uh so I'm on Twitter at Jenna Guillaume which is G-U-I-L-L-A-U-M-E it's the most annoying surname <laughs> in the world <laughs> same on Instagram search me on Facebook I'm on there as well um yeah, and same on Tumblr. I, I, I just have my name everywhere, so that's pretty handy for hashtag branding. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Better Words. You can chat to us on Instagram at betterwordspod. And follow me, Michelle, at Unfinished Bookshelf. And me, Caitlin, at Just a Bookish Babe. If you liked this episode, please share it with a book-loving friend and leave a rating or review. Mm-hmm.